This is the Thrive Content Clubcast. Hello and welcome to the Content Clubcast. I'm Corey Smith, a copywriter here at Thrive. In this episode, I'm joined by Megan Evans and Laura Gavin, two of my copywriting colleagues. Join us as we discuss our approach to writing content through the lens of storytelling. From equality and diversity to health and safety, financial crime to personal well-being, our job is to create narratives out of the subject matter. So let's go behind the scenes as we share some of our thoughts and processes. So hi both, thanks for joining. Hello, nice to be here. Um, so yeah, kind of, I guess my first question is, how do you approach storytelling in, in the work that we do? Um, yeah, I guess oh, it, it's a, a sort of a broad question, isn't it? Because it really depends what it is, um, what the topic is, who we're writing for. Um, but obviously, I should probably start by saying we're talking about learning content here, aren't we? Because we're all copywriters and content team here at Thrive. So that's the kind of context we're talking about when we when we talk about writing here. Um, but I guess there's kind of general sort of rules of thumb that apply to any sort of writing. But yeah, like generally speaking, it's it's really obvious stuff, but I just start by researching the topic really thoroughly um, and then kind of go back and sort of start almost like pulling it apart and thinking, OK, what's the kind of main theme here? What's what's the sort of core message that we're trying to get across to people um, or kind of from the reverse? What's what do we think people might find most useful if we're talking about from a learning perspective like what's what's the sort of angle that will help kind of fill that knowledge gap for people or help them upskill in some way i think for me it's about finding kind of the human element as well and that kind of leads the story then i mean we all we all kind of stories are how we how we tell anything right like even just you know down the pub you know, that's how that's how we kind of communicate. So, yeah, it's always finding that kind of human element, I guess, for me personally. Yeah, I was going to say, for, this probably goes against every writer's instinct, but I don't usually start with research, <laughs> which I probably shouldn't admit. But I more like to think about the audience and start there. Like, I like to think what, rather than thinking about what you want to say, think about what you want the audience to feel Um and sort of like you were saying, Corey, with the, the human element of it, I think no matter what topic it is, it's got to have some sort of emotion in it to just to link it back to the audience and get them engaged with it. Um, and that doesn't mean it has to be like an emotional thing that's going to like pull on your heartstrings. Like that can be humour, that can be anything, just making, I mean, we do it quite often with like traditionally dull topics. Um, we add in humour and that might not even be through the writing, but through design as well and through like subtle little links. Absolutely. We've kind of mentioned the audience quite a lot. So how how do we go about kind of finding the audience and pitching it to that particular set of people? Um, I guess I just think about, well, I, I like to look at what clients it's going to be useful for and industries, I guess. Um, but yeah, I guess I just think about what, a person in that role might know already and what is actually useful for them to know because there's a lot of stuff especially with our management things it's quite obvious and someone who's already doing that role is going to know the basics of it um so it's just finding those like instances where some something's actually going to be useful for them yeah i think it's it's often kind of what 
problem are we trying to solve? I think that's kind of the starting point that we often um, begin with, I guess, isn't it? That, um, okay, when does someone need to access this content? Um, and, you know, at what point are they, are they going to be sort of in the middle of doing their kind of daily tasks and think I need to kind of quickly learn the skill? Um, so do they, do they need it at the point of need? Um, or is it something that they're kind of sort of expected to, to know for a role? So it might be, you know, in, in terms of like an onboarding context, it might be something that they need to do at the beginning of, of starting a new role. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I, I guess I can't really add much to what Megan said. It is just that um, sort of sometimes kind of splitting a topic up into actually this is what you would need to know from a leadership point of view but this is what you would need to know if you're just a, a, a general employee in the team and sometimes they be, they can be very similar things and sometimes very very different um so yeah often I've found with with topics I've realized that it ends up being two resources rather than one because the angle is very different do you think the kind of amount of information out there available for each kind of subject we write about do you think that makes it harder or easier to kind of weave a story weave a narrative into our into our content I think it's a bit of both really like sometimes um especially with more compliancy stuff we do like uh, just for example like um we've been working on some preventing protecting against terrorism stuff and there's obviously like the run hide tell campaign um and you can't really reinvent the wheel there. Like, that's the best message there is. There's nothing I could really make that's going to make that any clearer or any better. But then sometimes you will come across bits where, like, the story, a story hasn't been woven into it. And it is very, like, boring information. And that does, that can help you sort of bring it to life. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Like, this, obviously, you could Google stuff, but it's, it doesn't go in the same way, I think, as when we make it into a story experience. I definitely find it easier to write some topics as a story than others. Like money laundering, I found really easy to kind of weave into that. Because I guess like money laundering itself has stages, so it's easy to see the story through, I guess. But then something like sanctions, I found really hard to kind of (laughs) weave any type of story in. So yeah, I guess it depends on the topic as well. Yeah, I think um, that's something I've noticed since starting in um, L&D, because I still feel like I'm quite new to the industry, having just worked here a year. You know, you have your kind of classic styles of writing, like, do you want to inform? Do you want to persuade someone? But with L&D, it's sort of like there's an, an additional kind of element where, or certainly the way we approach it at Thrive anyway, is it's we're not just kind of growing someone's knowledge and skills but we're actually kind of trying to encourage them to change their behavior or to think differently or to kind of inspire that spark where someone thinks oh is there you know is there a better way I could be doing this um so there's that sort of added element which was something that I enjoyed kind of learning when I started this role because it is a different kind of writing isn't it yeah definitely definitely have you guys kind of tried to weave a narrative into anything that you've written and it's kind of like just not worked at all and you've had to rethink it I don't think I have actually but that's quite an interesting way to start it I guess it depends on the topic doesn't it because you need something quite I don't know like juicy (laughs) to sort of 
actually make a, a proper story around it. But yeah, I haven't done that, but that might be an interesting sort of writing technique to try. So I'll start story first. Yeah, I think um, one sort of thing I tried to do a lot, especially when I was first starting, was that because one of the things I like about Thrive is that nothing is ever off the table, so we can kind of experiment with fun ideas and quite zany stuff. But sometimes I felt myself sort of going a little bit too far with that and thinking, right, we could do this amazing animation where it's like a point of view video game. We have all these elements coming in. And then I thought, actually, is that like fit for purpose or is it just overcomplicating everything and we don't need it? So I think that's something that I found a couple of times where um, actually what sort of gets the message what gets the message across is the most important thing so over complicating something or kind of adding fluff just just because it's things that you like or you kind of get into it you get carried away with an idea sometimes you have to sort of take a step back and think actually is this the best fit for what I'm trying to convey here and is it the best use of the designer's time as well because stuff like that obviously takes a lot a lot more time so you have to think about whether if you've got a kind of interesting story or, or a bit of an extended metaphor, does it add enough value to make it worth it for, for the whole design process? Because obviously it might take a bit longer, but if it's worth it, that's, that's great. Um, but that's the sort of assessment you have to do at, at the start, I suppose. I guess we always say like no idea is too out there. But then I reflected on this a bit earlier with the um, managing grief after death topic. When obviously Tim designed the assets for that, I wanted to go down a kind of inside out, uh, the Disney film uh, kind of theme. And I kind of thought, is that is that appropriate for that content? And I think it is. And we had a bit of a chat about it. But, you know, it is that how, how far do you take it? I think, you know, we have to push the boundaries, right? Yeah, I think it's a good thing that we're, yeah, sometimes we, you might get told that like, you know, that's a bit too far, but yeah it'd just be boring if you didn't try like and yeah I guess at Thrive the whole point of us is that we try new things it, it might not work out but yeah it'd just be boring wouldn't it like there'd be no point <laughs> absolutely absolutely and so much so much kind of content out there is so how do we drill down and find the core message within what we're trying to write I always kind of I mean this comes from the research I always try and find say go onto Google type in your search, get the top 10 results and see what the, the commonality is between each individual kind of website. And that's normally the stuff you have to include. But how do we kind of find that core message? Um, I think I rely a lot on the team um, for peer review. Because um, I think everyone knows what it's like when you've written a load of waffle, your head's filled with content and different bits of information and and you think you've tidied it down to a really tight like bit of content but really when when you get a fresh pair of eyes on it you know there's there's lots of bits that you don't need and aren't relevant um and that can really and often I find after someone's done that I'll go in and I'll reduce it down even more because they've helped you sort of find the real value in it um so yeah for me really it's it's using other writers for help I think we're all guilty of that aren't we I think I've read a lot that like famous writers say that the key to writing is is editing. It's not the actual writing itself. So 
I think we're all guilty of kind of rambling. I think it's part of the process, though. You've got to start with a ramble in order to get get somewhere, haven't you? You can't edit a blank page. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it, isn't it? It's it's why it's so nice having a good kind of core team of writers because when we're stuck on an idea, we can kind of put it to the team and we can brainstorm. But equally, like like Megan was saying, you can we can get each other to help sort of trim the fluff and sort of get down to the actual essence of what we're trying to say, but we can't see it because we've just looked at a script for too long um, and need to kind of go back into it with fresh eyes. It's almost um, simulating like the end user passing it on to somebody else who hasn't seen it before because then they're using the content as it's intended as someone with, who's perhaps not looked at that topic before and is learning from it. So it's, I guess it's the same as, you know, like any other industry, like web developers using testers and, and things like that. Everything needs to be tested and looked at before it can be useful. So do you feel like the way that you structure content, maybe with beginning, middle, end, do you, do you think that makes it easier to keep like the core message throughout? Um, I think with the with the structure, it, it's something that sort of comes into it more in some formats than others I guess because we do a lot of um uh, e-learning modules don't we it's sort of like there have interactive elements and that people can click through and answer questions and with those that was something that struck me when I first started kind of scripting those because it's quite a specific sort of structure where we often start with a bit of an overview often that's a kind of introductory video um but instead of kind of getting into the nitty-gritty detail before we quiz the learner actually it kind of works to flip it around a lot of the time and sort of early on question kind of what the learner would do in certain scenarios and I know this is something that you've done recently with the terrorism content Megan where you sort of ask people what they would do in a certain situation to kind of get them thinking and about their instincts and, and what they what they might do in real life before we actually then get into okay well this this is this is how you could do it and maybe this is a way that would work better and I feel like that that's a bit more effective for learning rather than sort of going through loads of sort of detailed or basically like an info dump and then quizzing people at the end it kind of gets people engaged earlier on and gets them thinking about the topic um, in a sort of deeper way um, that was something that just came to mind thinking about structure but um definitely I think that's that's really important with with modules that we do yeah I was going to say the same thing especially at Thrive I think we tend to get to the action points really quickly which I think is a lot more valuable than having a traditional here's a million pieces of information you need to know now let's think about it this way whereas we very much try and introduce people to their own way of thinking and then sort of bring them gently round to like the right answers well there's not really right answers to everything but um but yeah I feel like we get to the heart of content quite quickly which as you were saying Laura is is the best way for learning in my opinion yeah you're right with the kind of modules having a narrative structure kind of naturally like the videos within as an intro and then you have the kind of the setup and then the scenarios and then kind of like what the key takeaway is the key message at the end so yeah, I, I think I think you're right with that, and you know that does that helps us in telling the stories that we need 
to tell throughout. So why do you think this structure is important? Why do you think the beginning, middle, end works so well? I mean, it has for millennia, obviously, but but in the content that we write. I suppose it's just that classic story thing, isn't it? I think um, Megan was talking about it a bit at the start where you sort of draw people in with a bit of an emotional hook. So often, talk about modules again or, or animations, we, you know, we start with something quite impactful that doesn't just make people think, but makes people feel. Um, one thing that came to mind was the is it driver fatigue um, video, um, which kind of shows someone literally falling asleep at the wheel from their point of view and is actually quite frightening just by the use of sort of visuals and sound effects and things like that. Um, And that's a really sort of engaging way to get someone straight into the story and kind of immersed in in that world, Um, which is the same for kind of if you're like plotting a, a short story or a piece of fiction, you know, you kind of want to get people hooked straight in so that you can then um you, you've then got your their full attention as it were um so yeah w- what we were just sort of talking about with kind of how we approach things at thrive about getting getting people straight in there that that's the key isn't it and it's just using those sort of classic storytelling techniques that really work when when you sort of apply them to to learning content um that those principles really work but also just just the fact of like keeping it short keeping it bite-sized so that once you've captured someone's attention you don't lose it again and kind of breaking topics down into sort of small elements and different angles um, rather than trying to do like one 40 minute minute learning course that no one's going to get to the end of it's sort of yeah making people think and feel and kind of gripping gripping people with that sort of yeah the, just the storytelling really and that engagement and obviously graphics play a big role in that um, in terms of, you know, even just kind of asbestos awareness, how boring. But if then we put a Ghostbusters spin on it, cool. Everyone knows Ghostbusters. That's great. So how do we how do we work with the designer to find concepts that, you know, that bring the story to life? I think it's really important to make sure you have conversations with the designer and make sure that it's as much their idea as it is yours. Um, I mean, recently... I've been trying more to get involved with design and, and almost writing a mini script for for how I want the visuals to look, whether that's on a PDF or animation or whatever. Um, but I think it's if your designer is not going to re- come to the same vision unless you've really worked on it with them together. Um, so yeah, and I, and I think like it, the storytelling continues into the design, um, especially like you were saying with asbestos awareness and we've done various more serious topics um, like event security and stuff like that. And I think that's um, something we're all really good at is adding humor into scripts through the design, not necessarily adding it into the content, uh, uh, the actual words, Um, but it's just as important that it's there on the screen. Yeah. I think um, it's that sort of fun way of framing a potentially really dry topic like you say because I love that asbestos awareness one as soon as I saw the little kind of characters and the Ghostbusters reference I was like oh yeah that's great and it's it's a way in for people um it's something fun um I mean using sort of parody in that way is is really cool as well and something that, that I think we're quite good at 
I think it depends on the topic again. So with some scripts, I find it's very much led by the words, but with other other ones, like Megan said, um, it's almost like you have to think about the visual first before you can write it, because the visual, what it will look like, determines the structure. Um, so one example I thought of um, was an animation I did called Serving D Disabled Customers, um, which was a little bit tricky to script because... I wasn't sure entirely how it would work, but I had to, in the end, sort of, I think we had a brainstorm session with the team and possibly talk to um, Rhiannon, who designed it, a bit before I'd actually finalised the script because the structure of it was a bit unusual. It was sort of proposing a, a sort of scenario of, of bad customer service and then using sort of graph, graphics and animation to kind of transform that into what good customer service would look like. So that was very much led by the visual side of things. And I couldn't really write it without thinking about that sort of final product. So it's almost like reverse engineering, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. And and sometimes kind of finding the characters and that is also kind of adds into the whole storytelling thing. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Definitely with the um, Agile leadership content that we did, I'm not actually sure how we hit on the idea of doing sort of animal characters there was a bit I suppose it's, it's a bit of it came from the kind of metaphors in the script of um what do you think of as an agile sort of person or animal so my kind of initial examples were things like a dancer or a sports car or, or something but then we sort of realized that actually to create a sort of a more cohesive theme it would be better if we just took examples just from the animal world and sort of ran with that as, as the concept um, and then that ended up really working because it meant that we could kind of weave those themes through the video and through the kind of whole module as well. That's I suppose that's a good example of something where I hadn't necessarily visualised it too much when writing, but after having a chat with a designer, we, we found something really fun that we could do with that. So that's, you know, the, the sort of different different ways you can approach different things, I suppose. I just imagine so the type of people that have to take those bits of training like asbestos awareness and stuff like that I imagine they've been quite used to perhaps like white papers and very boring e-learning quizzes and stuff like that and yeah I, I just like the thought of them opening something that's got weird rabbit animation and like you know out of how many rabbits would you rate this um and it just putting a smile on their face I just really like that idea and I, and I think we do that really well at Thrive Absolutely. And the, the hand-drawn illustration works well as well, because how many pictures have we seen? Even even with illustrated courses and that we've done, but it's just pictures of people in offices usually, isn't it? Yeah. There's nothing There's nothing unique about it. I think we very rarely use um, you know, stock photos or even human characters. We will try our best to avoid it. Like we do, we did one about um, finance for non-finance managers. And we, I think the main character was a big, um, like, blob of gum well that's just I just think that would brighten someone's day a bit you know <laughs> and apart from being kind of quirky and unique um is there any other reason why we would use like you know anthropomorphic lollipops rabbits that kind of thing yeah I think the reason we we try and use more exciting and and, and random characters is because when we look to stock footage and, and stock images there isn't the diversity there that we need yeah, I think um, we definitely sort of got that kind of mix of using characters that sort of look 
quite universal so they can kind of be relatable to anybody but also like you say getting that diversity in and think thinking and kind of rethinking characters so sometimes you might if you've got a character um, or a couple of characters who are a married couple say not always assuming okay that's going to be a man and a woman or kind of doing things like um, tweaking sort of pronouns um, and the character names we use as well not just having everything being sort of a stock kind of white middle class British cisgender point of view I suppose so just kind of not assuming that it's just from one kind of type of person's experience but trying to sort of include a, a sort of diverse range of characters and, and sort of points of view within what we do um this came up a lot during um the menopause um content that we did um because obviously it's not just um females that go through menopause or periods or anything like that um so we we made a conscious decision to to use a non-binary voiceover for our animations which was really great um and but it was just again with the stock stock images and stuff like that it was quite difficult to find so I think we ended up using sort of like brightly coloured characters um, and representing all different genders. Um, but again, it comes up and there are lots of topics where it can it can be an issue to find the right type of designs. Like sort of related to that, something else we do is is how do we make our storytelling like accessible? Um, obviously, we've been doing a lot of work on that recently because we used to have lots of like elements in modules, like one that that jumps to mind is like an image quiz and obviously with some of the tools we use it's not entirely accessible but it's like how do we keep things fun and use different formats and and try and keep things interesting while making them accessible that's down to development and you know the the tools that we use i mean i think we do our best and obviously it's it's there's still plenty more that can be done and there always will be but we're always striving to try and be as inclusive as possible. Do you think, though, as the writers and as the people who are telling the story, and obviously we've discussed how we tell the story through design and the format we present it in as well, do you feel like that sort of responsibility lies with us as well as as the tools we use and the designers we use? Yeah, I'd say so. I think we need to be be flexible in the way we think and how we can kind of convey the information that we want to convey. And be aware that, you know, not all interactive elements within the content will be, you know, will work for everyone. I think we need to be conscious of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can get like swept away sometimes with lots of the the cool stuff that we can do. And obviously, yeah, we're always trying to to come up with new ideas. Um, But that sometimes accessibility and things like that can be forgotten about. But um yeah, it's, it's important to to remember that it is all part of the storytelling experience and it's something we, we all need to work on. Well, yeah, it's opening up the story for everyone, isn't it? Okay, well, that's been a great chat. And I guess to summarise, have we all got a, like a top tip that we want to share? My main thing that I try and remember when I'm doing any kind of writing, really, is, is just that thing about stripping something down to its essence and just making sure you're conveying the point that you want to make um and being a kind of ruthless editor of your own work i suppose getting rid of any unnecessary flowery language or any fluff that you don't need mm-hmm. and not to be kind of like too protected of it so that other people can edit it as well and be kind of ruthless yeah. as well and megan um yeah i would just say 
think of your audience first and always throughout the entire thing um yeah think of the end the end user yeah and mine would be to kind of find the human element find the thing that's relatable and um try and carry that throughout thanks both been a great chat thank Thank you. you You've been listening to the Thrive Content Podcast. Visit www.thrivelearning.com for more information. Be bold. Be brave. Thrive.